The book of Proverbs, we're going to be kind of all around for the most part in the book of Proverbs and should have every verse that we're going to read tonight on the screen for you. And so you'll, you'll be able to follow along that way if you don't have your copy of God's Word. I hope you received a handout tonight that might uh, be convenient for you as you're trying to follow along. I think the, the layout of the message tonight is very structured. And so I think a, a handout will make a lot of sense for you tonight. Um, it's gonna, it's, you're going to need that to kind of remember what, what these are. Um, and it, it could feel a little bit more like a lesson tonight because it's just very informative. I, I, I think that there will definitely be some application for our lives, but, but got some really, really good information and, and some Bible truth for you tonight. Last week we began this brand new, I'm sorry, it would have been two weeks ago now, we began this brand new midweek uh, series on the topic of gossip. And I so enjoyed Brother David's message. And I love the way that, that he defines sin, sinful gossip. And it'll be in your handout there if you want to fill it out and remind yourself of this, that gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Now, don't let that, that definition just kind of feel like a dictionary definition to you because this is really, really important. It has some layers to it. It has some depth to it. It has some intentionality to it. It says, bearing bad news. Bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. So think about it in three kind of movements there as you, as you work through this definition. It's okay to bear good news about somebody behind their back. By the way, if you know good news about someone, it ought not just to be said behind their back. You ought to be an encouragement and say it to their face. Right? Some people, have, they really do struggle. Some Christians struggle with encouragement. They struggle with actually telling somebody good about themselves. You know, but, but it's, that's, that's good. That's, that's needed. I hope you'll do that. But also, talking good behind someone's back is a great thing. But bad news is not. And then the, the next movement is behind someone's back. Here's a good thing to remember. You know you shouldn't be talking about this if the person who that this is connected to was there and you would be uncomfortable talking about it. That's a really good indicator that, man, I shouldn't be saying this right now. Now, as a pastor, I, I really have to sift through some of this. This is no excuse for gossip. I don't, I don't, God's not going to say, well, you were a pastor and it was a little harder for you sometimes to discern between what was gossip and what wasn't. So you get a pass. It's not that he's given me the Holy Spirit and the word of God and a brain to help me make that discernment. But still it is, it gets hard for me navigating through because as, as a staff, we have to talk through different issues, some people issues sometimes. And, and even with our deacons who, who really I use as prayer partners and, and uh, they help me guide people uh, in our church. Uh, they help me preserve the unity in our church. And there's oftentimes that they have a pulse on our congregation that, that I don't have. And so, so we talk about those things and, and you should see our prayer list. It has some of your names on it. Not because you're bad people, uh, but because we, we really care about what you're going through. Um, and whether it's a health issue or, or something like that. Um, and, and, and so there, there's times whenever we are talking about people behind their back, but I think David made it clear that, that you kind of know just in your spirit, if you're walking with God, you kind of know when it crosses that line. You, you kind of know when it's like, ah, we're just, we're lingering a little too long here. Or, or, or I'm saying this with just, just 
not the right motive right now. So, so, so you know when that happens and that, that's when it's sinful. And then maybe the most important part of the whole definition is that last part. Because this shows us how we fix it. Sinful gossip comes out of a bad heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A man is defiled not by the things that are on the outside of him, but on what's inside of him, Jesus said. Anything that comes out was first lodged inside. And so it's really important to understand that if you find yourself in a pattern of sinful gossip, then it's never, it's never the fault of your parents that raised you that way. It's never your circumstance that just made you have to vent like this. It's never your environment. It's always the result of a sinful heart. If you're like me after Brother David's message a couple of weeks ago, then God probably already showed you that you do struggle with this. You do wrestle with this, maybe more than you even thought that you did. But it's possible tonight that, that while you recognize you have a problem, big or small, with gossip, maybe you're not fully aware of all the ways that you practice gossip on a daily or regular basis. So tonight, we're going to learn how to recognize it when it shows up. And it comes in many forms. As you study the book of Proverbs, you're going to find that, that there's several different types of gossip. When I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of a song from Sesame Street. I was Toy Story Sunday down on Sesame Street on Wednesday night. The song is the people in your neighborhood. It says, well, they're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. The point of the song, if you remember, which introduced various kinds of people and their professions, was to help kids understand the different kinds of neighbors they had. So, so then they could be informed on how to relate appropriately to each of them. Well, the book of Proverbs is kind of that way. It does a similar thing. It categorizes people into these different characters and personalities. You know all the different names of people in Proverbs? You got the sluggard and uh, you got the scorner and you got the strange woman, right? And, and, and you got the whisperer and you got the tellbearer, some of the ones we're going to talk about tonight. That's what Proverbs is it's, it's, this, it's this catalog of names and characters um, that, that God inspired to be in his word so that we as his disciples can recognize these people when we run into them. When they're in our neighborhood, when it gossips on our street, on our front door, are sitting next to us at church, are working with us in the nursery, are texting us. We get Proverbs to help us identify, yep, that's a gossiper right there. They're in my neighborhood. But it's not just so we can recognize other people. Remember, the word of God's a mirror. So as we study Proverbs and all these different kind of gossips, we're going to be able to recognize if we're any of them. And I think, I think if you're honest and humble tonight, you will realize that you are some of them. Or you have been before and you have propensity to be Again, so, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to discuss five different types of gossip in the book of Proverbs. Then we're going to see what motivates each different gossiper. Then we're going to propose a solution for each kind of gossip. Here we go. Gossip number one is the spy. The spy. I know some of y'all got some spies in your life. Proverbs 11 verse 13 talks about the spy. It's a tell bearer is the name that 
that Proverbs gives this spy, this type of gossip. And he says, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. The Hebrew word translated as talebearer here means a peddler of secrets, a deceiver, a spy. We might use the word informer. I mean, every parent has, at least if you have multiple kids, you know about the informer. The kid that comes to you with their side of the story informing you of how evil their brother or sister is in hopes that they're going to gain favor with you or at least earn some immunity with you by informing you of the evil that resides in the heart of their wicked sibling. Well, there are adult informers as well. Informing or, or, or spying or as Proverbs says, tailbearing is, is the probing kind of gossip. Sometimes it's so stealthy, we can't even catch it right away. Good spies know how to wheedle a story out of us. They know when to be around. They know what questions to ask. They know what conversations to peek in on. The spy is somebody who loves to get the dirt on someone and then use that information to his or her personal advantage. And at first, spies seem trustworthy. But they really aren't, as the proverb makes clear. Let me give you a good word of advice when it comes to tell bearers. Be careful how you talk to a tell bearer. Be careful how you talk to a spy, or else your secrets may be the next ones to be revealed. Now, here's what I've learned. You don't really learn a person as a spy sometimes until it's too late. Right? You learn the hard way that, oh, I got to be careful what I say around him. I got to be careful what I say around him. You didn't suspect that at first. But then when they repeated something they heard from you, you're like, oh, that person's a spy. They're a tellbearer. I can't, I, I got to be careful. They're not trustworthy. I thought they were. They're just real stealthy about it. So then what's the motivation of a spy? I would say that one of the motivations is this. It's power. It's power. Spies are primarily motivated by a hunger for control and power. There's something that a spy wants and such a person will use your secrets and mine to get it. The hunger for power may be born simply from mischievousness. They just like drama. They, they seriously are a troublemaker. Or the spy may like the power of knowing something that shouldn't be known. Or the power of being the first one to know something. It's like a competition to see who knows the lowdown on someone else first. It makes them feel better about themselves because they knew before you knew. And actually it's gratifying for someone to come to them, another gossip to come to the spy and to say, have you heard? And it's really gratifying for the spy to be able to say, oh yeah, I've heard. I probably knew before you knew. In fact, some spies will and deal with information because they know that, that, that they can get better information than what they currently have by trading one secret for another. I'm talking adults do this. It's a crafty way to gossip. It's a skillful way, carnally skillful way. And it, it can become such a, a habit that the spy doesn't even realize they're doing it. So, so if a desire for power is your temptation, then what you really need, and, and, and here's, the, here's the solution, you need Jesus Christ. He offers all the power you need to live happily. 
And he offers all the information in his word that you need to be satisfied. Now look at Ephesians chapter one. I love this passage of scripture. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's pretty good information. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Do you understand the kind of power you have in Jesus? I mean, seriously, do you get what that verse just said? The kind of power that God used to raise his own son from the dead and put him right back there. On, on the right hand of the throne of God where, where, where he came and, and, and left in the first place to come die for our sins. That's some, that is some mega power that you have through the Holy Spirit residing in you. You don't need to grasp for power by being nosy or by gaining information first or by trying to get up in people's business. You've got power enough from Jesus to be happy. You really do. That's the first type of gossip, the spy. Their motivation is power. Their solution is found through power in a much more reliable source. Notice the second type of gossip, the grumbler, the grumbler, the grumblers mentioned in Proverbs 16, 28 in your handout, a forward man soweth strife. Here it is. A whisperer separateth chief friends, a whisper, someone who's murmuring, Someone who's grumbling about another person behind their back rather than openly complaining about their behavior in an effort to to bring about positive change. They're murmuring, they're mumbling, grumbling about it underneath their breath or just to their spouse or to another person in the church or at work or in the family. They're just murmuring, they're mumbling, talking underneath their breath, grumbling about this person, they're whispering. And through their whispering, Solomon says, they separateth chief friends. Did you get that? That's a huge consequence. That's a dangerous consequence. We ought to think about that next time we go to mumbling under our breath about someone that gets on our nerves. We might be damaging a real life friendship. When I say chief friendship, we might be, we might be damaging a relationship that that person has come to rely on. A chief one in their life. A priority relationship in their life. Like that's serious stuff. We got to think about other people and their relationships that we might be hurting through that. The root word um, is the same word that, that, that I'm talking about. The word that describes the whisperer in Proverbs is the same word. This is interesting. Used to describe the people of Israel. When they grumbled in their tents. You can study that in Psalms 106. Think about it. Did the Israelites go out and talk directly with the Lord about the concerns? They didn't. They hid in their tents and murmured about him in secret. In the same way, the grumbler complains. The grumbler criticizes. When when she or he is upset about something and misery loves company, They will talk about others behind their backs in secret. We we sometimes call it venting to disguise what it really is. Let's be honest, church. Grumbling and complaining come easy. Almost naturally. 
scary naturally sometimes. We love to complain about authority figures, about policies, about parents, about teachers, about politicians, and whoever else we don't see eye to eye with at the time. Let me ask you this. When is the last time you went a whole day, a whole 24-hour day without hearing one person grumble? It is in, it is in the DNA of our culture. It, it, I mean, seriously, every workplace has a grumbler. Everyone. And the grumbler doesn't know they're a grumbler. Every family has a whisperer. Churches are full of grumblers. They really are. Are you with me tonight? But let me ask you this. When is the last time you went a 24-hour day without grumbling? Boy, I thought about that this afternoon. I'm thinking in my mind, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know a day where I ace that test. I need to get better at that. I, need be- I, I really need to get better at that. It is, is it not so easy? It's so easy to grumble. Behind the person's back that can actually make the difference. For grumblers, here's the motivation, jealousy a lot of times. There's a lot of motivations to these kind of gossips. We're trying to narrow them down to one to be practical. For grumblers, jealousy is, is often the key factor. And that makes sense. If, if you're jealous, you'll be tempted to grumble behind the back of someone who has something you want. Maybe they have, they have the ability to make a decision you wish you could make. Or they have a job or a position at that job. Or, or they have a relationship that you really want. Or, or a possession or a vehicle or happiness. Or they're getting attention that you want and you know they don't deserve. Or whatever it is that you wish you had. Here's the gospel remedy for, for grumbling. It's contentment and thanksgiving. That's it. It's contentment and thanksgiving. It's it's not bad to want something, of course, but it's terribly enslaving to want something too much. Did you hear me? It's not bad to want something. Man, God has gifted us with a lot of somethings to enjoy in this life. It's not bad to want something. It's just really, really enslaving to want something too much. As Christians, we need to cultivate a heart of contentment with what we have and a heart of thanksgiving for what we've been given. See, grumbling gossip, it feels good. It even feels justified and righteous sometimes. But can I tell you something that feels even better? Real life contentment. There is nothing that brings peace on a deeper level in your heart and in your mind and in your soul to lay your head on the pillow every night and truly be content. What is contentment? Contentment is counting your blessings and knowing that if you have Jesus, you have all you need. I'm going to say it again. Contentment is going to bed at night, not grumbling, not comparing, not complaining. But knowing this, I am blessed because in Jesus, I have everything I need. Boy, a good thing for you tonight before you go to bed would just be this. Sit down with your family and say, what are you grateful for? We do that almost every night in our house. That's basically our family devotions. We take turns praying. Before we pray, we we go around each one of us say, what are you thankful for from today? 
I ain't got time to, to write an, a, a sermon. I write three sermons a week. So if you think I'm a sinner not preaching a sermon to my son every night, I ain't got time for that. I'm tired and I'm grumpy most of the time. And I want to get back to the game. Just being real. But I got time to push pause and be thankful for a second. If anything I want to teach my son, it's to be thankful. Because I'm telling you, contentment and a spirit of contentment will take you a long way in life. And it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Consider what Paul said, Philippians 4.12. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he says, here's the trick. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Contentment in Jesus helps the grumbler overcome jealousy of others. That's the second type of gossip, the grumbler. It's usually motivated by jealousy. The solution is to learn to be content and thankful in Jesus. Here's the third type of gossip, the backstabber. The backstabber. So like, like the grumbler, the, the backstabber is full of complaint. But here's the difference. His heart is angrier and more hateful than the grumbler. The grumbler is discontent. Might be jealous at best. The backstabber has a heart bent on revenge and retaliation. I'm talking like real malice. The backstabber actually desires the target of his gossip to experience pain. The backstabber usually begins by spreading lies. We might call it a smear campaign. We see it during the, the, the politics game every four years, right? We, we see all these kind of smear campaigns. We don't even know what's true anymore. A backstabber will, will hurt someone by simply publishing a shameful truth. I said a truth because it might be true, but they find pleasure in making sure other people know about that shameful truth. Backstabbing is painful to its victims because it uncovers their warts. And even worse, it it like shoves a knife in them. Whereas Peter says love, on the other hand, covers the multitude of sins. We're going to study Absalom here in in a few months out of 2 Samuel chapter 15. Absalom was one of King David's sons. And he sat at the gate of Jerusalem in 2 2 Samuel 15 and he complained about his dad's leadership. He told visitors pursuing lawsuits that that King David hadn't appointed enough judges and, and that justice wasn't getting done around here. And what he was really trying to do was reveal the incompetence of his dad's leadership. Of course, Absalom didn't say a word about that to his dad's face. Just behind his back because he wanted to steal the kingdom from his father. David wrote a, soul, a song about it, that experience. When he found out that his own son was the one responsible for all this heartache in the kingdom, he wrote a song about it. And verse of that song says this, Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread. He sat at my table. I fed his little stinky mouth. He's lifted up his heel against me. David knows what it's like to be stabbed in the back by his own family, his own son. What's interesting about this psalm, this is very interesting. The Lord Jesus quoted this psalm at the Last Supper to refer to, you know who? Judas Iscariot, the one who stabbed him in the back. So the greater David knows what it's like to be betrayed. See, malicious gossip, gossip, the kind that leads to backstabbing, is the worst kind because it's the most like Satan's behavior. 
He called Judas Satan. Hateful gossip. Do you understand this? It tears apart churches. You hearing me? Our church is so fortunate. We are so fortunate. I love pastoring this church because as I talk to pastor friends, it seems like some of the problems that I deal with are so minor. And so I might as well just say thank you for that right here and right now. Thank you. Or thank you for being really good gospers where I don't hear about it much. And thank you for that. And I mean that I know, I know it's this, this church, it's always been preached here. Just, just seek unity. Just try, try your best to get along. And we got people from all different courses of life. But, but man, I, I, you read in scripture, Paul had to address it in the church of Corinth. John dealt with it in his churches. You, you can see third John verse 10. He made this strong point that this kind of gossip's like a cancer in a church and it has to be stopped. This is big time. This is serious. If there's backstabbing in a church, man, it's like Satan loves that. A bunch of Judas is walking around. It's, it's dangerous. There's a number of key motivations for backstabbing. I think this one's a good one to write down, though. Revenge. Revenge. Usually the backstabber's been hurt, been embarrassed, been damaged. And now they're angry. They're, they're angry to the point that they want someone else to experience the same kind of pain that they experience. Gossip then becomes their means to satisfy that, that, that almost weird kind of hunger for payback. Backstabbers have to be careful though, and here's why. Because gossip doesn't satisfy. A backstabber feels like what they're doing is eating a gigantic piece of steak as they're gossiping, saying something malicious about somebody behind their back. They, they think their belly and their, their soul is going to be full after they say this, but, but Proverbs makes it clear that it's actually going to backfire. Look at Proverbs 26, verse 27 and 28. Whoso diggeth a pit. You want to dig a pit for someone to fall? Well, watch out. The one who digs is going to fall therein. He that rolleth a stone trying to hurt somebody, watch, it will return upon him. In the context of what? A lying tongue. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. You get what I'm saying? Have you ever started to say something bad about someone and walked away from that conversation and thought in your mind, oh my goodness, I hope that doesn't leak. Because if what I just told them leaks, it's going to hit me hard. I mean, I rolled a stone and it's going to be like a boomerang. It's going to come right back if that, if that gets out. Have you ever felt like that? That is a good indicator you shouldn't have said it. I'll be honest with you about something that happened this last Sunday morning. I wasn't going to say this, but I might as well. And it's not gossip. It's about myself. <laughs> how many of you have ever been in a situation with a gossip? That's how they started the conversation. I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> right. <laughs> the irony. Um, but uh, I went out in the foyer. I, I don't know if how many people were watching the live stream. Anybody watching the live stream? So Miss B was watching the live stream from Sunday morning. So you might have caught this. Uh, but my my wife was uh, I think she was sick on Sunday. Yeah, she's sick on Sunday um, and she was home and I went out in the foyer. I always turned my mic off. Um, you know, just because a preacher, when he comes off the platform, I mean, I feel like in some ways I just went into a 12 round boxing match when I preach for 40 minutes. It's kind of, there's a lot of emotional energy going on up here. And so when you get down, you can say some dumb stuff. 
especially if people are falling asleep while you're preaching and stuff, you can start gossiping quick. And so I get out in the foyer and, and after about five minutes out there, I get this text from Jenny and she says, your microphone's still on. Jimmy's back there. I already texted Jimmy. I said, bro, you got to make sure that's muted from now on because I could have went to the bathroom. Um, I mean, you can think about all the kind of weird stuff uh, that could have happened there. And uh, anyway, I haven't heard that, that I said anything bad, but here's what happened when she, my heart stopped. When she sent me that text, you know why it stopped? Guilty conscience. Because I remember there have been times that the moment I walk into that foyer, my walking vent, also known as Jenny, I just dump on her. Insecurity or some stupid statement that I shouldn't say about somebody or something that bothers me, even though there's a hundred things that went right the last two hours in this worship center, I walk out into the foyer and I talk to her about the one thing that didn't. Right? And so uh, it's it just crazy. That reminded me, like, be careful. Be careful. Because when you say stuff, it can backfire on you real quick. Real quick. So what's the solution? Well, more than just don't do it or more than turn your microphone off. Um, that's a good, good word of advice, but it goes deeper. The answer is this, rest in God's just character. Remember, a backstabber is motivated oftentimes by, by revenge. And so just trust what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give that place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. A backstabber does not believe that verse. They might say they do, but they don't. Their actions compromise what they say they believe. If they believe that God can be God in people's life and I don't have to be, they wouldn't feel the need to talk behind people's back like that or try to repay people by making them look bad. I'm telling you, you believe that truth. Are you hearing me tonight? You, you believe that it's dangerous to fall in the hands of an angry God. You believe that God has your back. You believe that God is just in his character and that means that he does not turn away from wrongdoing. God will make it right here in the future, in heaven, he will make it right. And if you believe that, I'm telling you, it will change the way you deal with things that happen to you that aren't right. It really will. That's the third type of gossip. We got two more, okay? Here's the fourth, the chameleon. The chameleon. How many would have known how to spell that? I'm telling you, the English language confuses me all the time. I try, to, I try to help my son with these spelling tests that he has. In fact, he has a word test tomorrow. And it's like, you know, an E goes on the end of this word, but it don't go on the end of this word. And I sounds like this in this word, but you get what I'm saying? I don't know who came up with this nonsense, but that shouldn't be how you spell a chameleon. <laughs> or a chameleon. You know what I mean? It's just stupid spellings. But... Anyway, I'm gossiping out the person that came up with that. A, a chameleon's a person, watch, who goes along with gossip to try to fit into the crowd. They don't start gossip. They just let it go on. I think there are a lot of chameleons amongst us tonight. Because there are a lot of people that like to keep people around them happy. 
because we struggle with the fear of man. Can I get an amen? Just as a confessional amen here. So if backstabbing is the ultimate aggressive version of gossip, then this is the ultimate passive version of gossip because it's often more about listening to gossip than it is speaking gossip. See, listening to gossip and then subtly chiming, chiming in, whether that's just a head nod or you like the text message or you like the social media post, that's all a subtle form of gossip and it's not less of a sin. After all, you're, you're just being compliant with the conversation. So, so the reason why we become a chameleon is because you don't think it's your place to make a conversation turn awkward all of a sudden. I'm going to let God deal with them, right? I'm not going to interrupt what they're saying because then it gets weird. Like, I'm not going to say, hey, can you stop talking about that? Who does that? David mentioned that two weeks ago. He said, you need to say something along these lines like, hey, I'm uncomfortable talking about that or whatever. I'm like, I've never said that. Who does that? I'm just changing colors. That's all I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, man, what's, what's the score of the game? How's all you doing lately? You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to be honest, Dave. I don't do that. That's hard. That is absolutely difficult. But, but here's what the chameleon has to understand. Your compliance to, to gossip is what allows it to continue to circulate. Our unwillingness to even just walk away silently. Our unwillingness to, to, to step up and, and fight for righteousness in that moment. In, in an appropriate way. It allows that sin to continue. Right? So there's got to be times whenever we care more about what's right. Then we care more about what's, what's popular. Fear of man is the motivation if you want to write that down. We've heard a lot about the fear of man in the last few weeks here, last few months. A chameleon is just afraid of, of what his or her peers are going to think if, if they don't listen intently or head nod to the gossip. Especially if you're the one somebody's venting to. You want to be classified as a good listener. You want to be, you want people to feel like you're empathetic. Like you're, you're approachable. And so you do want to shake your head. You, you do want to take that in and, and maybe in some ways and, and, and the Holy Spirit can help you discern that. There's an, there's an appropriate time and place for some of that, right? But when you in your spirit discern that it's crossing that line, that's when you have a choice. Am I going to fear man or am I going to fear God? And that's the solution. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. Shall be safe. May your, your mind needs to be fuller of thoughts about God and his holiness and his justice and his righteousness. Then your mind is full of, man, what is this person going to think if I don't agree? It's real simple. You need to care more about what God thinks of you than what others think of you. It does, even if that other person's a best friend or a sibling or a, a, a parent or a, or a hurting child or a pastor. You don't need to, to worry too much about their approval. Gossip number five is the busybody. We're almost done. Busybody. 
A busybody is a person who is idle, not engaged in purposeful business. He wants to be entertained. He lives vicariously through the stories of other people. He's incredibly nosy. He meddles in other people's business. Paul talks about a busybody in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 11. He says, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Another example is in in 1 Timothy chapter 5, I think it is where Paul explained to Timothy, this is interesting. Uh, We're going to get to it in our sequential exposition through the New Testament at some point, but he explained to Timothy what to do about widows in their church. See, the church in Ephesus had a list of widows whom they supported financially. And the widow, if they wanted to get on the support list, Paul said they had to meet certain qualifications. You know that? So in other words, it's like just because your husband died doesn't mean you get support from the church. Wow. What are you want to know what one of the character qualifications is for a widow to be financially supported by that church? Here it is under the inspiration of God. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Paul said, you better evaluate the character of the widows before we go to supporting them. Because if you support a widow and it lends them at a young age, especially if they're a young widow, it lends them to being too idle because of the financial support they're getting from the church, then they're going to be prone to being a busybody at that point. And so if if they don't have the character to receive your support, but still say busy, it's actually going to hurt you supporting them more than it's going to help. Now, let's be clear. This behavior is not just a female thing. Thank you, Uncle Rick. Thank you, older brother Bill. I think you're a little better looking tonight. I like the sport coat. I want to say it again. I need some men to agree with this. Busybodies is not just a female thing. That was a delayed amen. Let's try that again. Busybodies is not just a female thing. See, it it feels good. The more you say amen, the better you get at it, the more comfortable you get at it. I'm I'm telling you, it makes church funner. It's not just a widow problem. Get this. The one in 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians, the busybodies that Paul was addressing in 2 Thessalonians, they were mainly men who were unwilling to work. Unwilling to work. So gossip is a gender equal sin. It is. Here's the motivation. Boredom. Write that down. Boredom. Boredom. I think the entertainment industry has tapped into the desire of the masses to escape from boredom. I mean, literally, we talk or type about other people just to have something to do. We read about other people on social media just to have something to do. You know this is true and we are all guilty of it probably. Not all of us, but most of us are guilty of it. Anytime we have to wait on anything, wait on our food, wait on our gas, wait on anything, we pull out our phones. And in our phones, we're not reading a helpful book. We're probably not reading the YouVersion app with the, with the Bible. We're probably going Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And by the way, none of you should have Snapchat. Or TikTok. Just study those things. They are not good for you. 
Social media is not, probably not good in a lot of ways, but those two things are so dangerous. You hear me in the back, young people? You ought not to have that stuff. I say that, I say that with, with, I just say that. That's all I'm going to say. That's, pro that's probably more opinion than anything. But I think I got some good biblical principle for why that's not prudent. Anyway, that's completely off script. I just don't like it. I've seen that kind of junk hurt marriages. And I've seen it, I, I've seen it take men down the gutter. And I've seen it make a gossip out of people. Anything where you can take a picture and hide it is not a good thing. Hello. I know I'm meddling a little bit, um, but I, I'm trying to help you. This kind of stuff is not just like, oh, it's okay. It's, okay. it's not okay. Like it's bad. It's really, 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 really bad. And, and you need to investigate that if you have kids for sure. Um, but, but my point was that, that we, when we wait, the, the entertainment industry, the, the, the social media industry, especially, they, they've preyed on this, on our desire to want to escape boredom. We don't know how to sit still and think, right? I'm saying we, you, that's the right pronoun. We don't know how. I don't know how. Like, I, I'm embarrassed that even at a red light, I pull off my phone. The red light's going to be like 32 seconds. It's not like a train in liberal. It's just a red light. But I pull out my phone instantly. It is a terrible habit that I've gotten into. And here's what happens. That means I'm tempted with gossip every time I slow down. Every time I stop, I'm tempted with gossip. I'm tempted to read it. I'm tempted to agree with it. I'm tempted to believe it. Are you with me? We got to be so careful. So careful. Boredom is the motivation. So, so then what is the solution I'm done? The solution is, is remember how God treats people. Now, now how is that a, a solution? Well, because God doesn't delight in the foolishness of other people. God doesn't have like a, like a heavenly Facebook account where he's like, hey, Angel Gabriel, bring me my social media apps real quick. Let me look at how all my children messed up today. Ooh, I like that one. Heart on that one. Ooh, I'm going to share that one. God is, God loves you. And he hates sin. And it, it hurts him when we're foolish. And he doesn't delight in that. So, so, so what's the solution? Well, try to treat people like God does. Don't find delight in the foolishness of other people. Let it lead you to prayer. Let it lead to your heart aching, saying, man, we need more of the gospel around here. Let it lead you to be more active in love and in service and in mercy and helping people find and follow Jesus. If we're helping people find and follow Jesus, watch this. We're not going to be bored very often. Tired? Yes. Hurt? Sometimes. Taken advantage? Advantage of? For sure. Bored? No. Helping people find and follow Jesus is an adventure. And it's amazing. This will be a good thought to end in tonight. Stay busy about the father's business and you'll be less interested in everyone else's business. Stay busy about the father's business and you'll be less interested in everyone else's business. Maybe one of the most profound things I've heard from the pulpit all year long was what Brother David ended his message with a couple weeks ago. That bearing bad news is the opposite of what we're put on this earth to do. We're supposed to tell good news about Jesus. Help people find and follow Jesus. Didn't it just make such a strong impact, Dad, that when we gossip, we're doing the exact opposite. We're bearing bad news 
about someone else behind their back with a bad heart. Good news, flip that on its head. Get busy about telling the good news. Can't we just agree that's the overall cure for gossip? The practical cure, the real cure we know is the heart. That, 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 that is the source. We know that, that that's the source. But a, a very practical practice is, is to be, when you talk to people, try to have gospel conversations. Try to talk about things that really matter. Try to talk about good news. It doesn't have to be the gospel. Just positivity. Good news. Be a positive human being. A positive Christian. And, and that, that will take care of a lot of, a lot of